0: Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I'm your host Madaral, and today I have with me Carneros. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. And Elise Randolph. Hey, how's it going, Elise? We missed you last week. I got a, I got so much heat for that show uh, from Northern uh, players that were like, "Where's Elise? Where's Elise?" So we're glad you're back. Uh, we'll pick that uh, up. What happened last time
1: uh, in a little bit. Glad to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. I, yeah, I was listening to the show, as like an hour delayed, and I was like, oh, geez, I wish I could have been there. <laughs>
0: You're right. Uh, so some counterweight would have helped. Okay, and uh, I want to introduce to you a new member of Talking in Stations. He is an abyssal space expert, and his name is Fon Sui. Good day, everybody. Uh, he's from Signal Cartel, right? Indeed, I am. Very gladly. Yeah. Great place. Great people. Um, and lurking about is Ashtarathi, and he'll pop in and out. How are you doing, Ash? No talking in local. <laughs> yeah, it's very mysterious. <laughs> He's cloaked. All right. Well, let's get started. And uh, since we want to spend the majority of the time on the Invasion expansion, and we want to go through uh, some of the changes that are headed your way this Tuesday, but uh, before we get to that, let's do some player news with uh, what's going on in Tribute as well as what's going on in the South. That was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm having fun in Tribute so far. Oh, can you tell us like, um, what your progress is on the Imperium side? Well, we've been running around um, uh, most,
2: mostly unopposed, or the opposition is actually, there is opposition, but the opposition is in Delve or somewhere else, hitting other things like... Uh, the two ships are passing in the night type of thing. Uh, but we've been running around hitting hubs and jammers and reinforcing upwell structures of various sorts. Um, a couple times, you know, we had some actual combat action, although more often with snuff than with Northern Coalition or, or uh, any of the PanFam folks, which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. Snuff are a wild card. Never forget that. Uh, don't well, don't
0: uh, assume you know what they're doing. So funny story. When Snuff broke off of the Imperium officially, which was a few months ago, uh, I was I was surprised to see that uh, Peniff Smash, former PL guy, actually before that he was a former Goonswarm guy. I think uh, lethal fleet commander, usually known for ambushing. Uh, joined up with Snuff. And I and thought, he is
2: probably the least Snuff member of Snuff. Keep that in mind. He's got a Snuff tag on him, but he doesn't behave like all the rest of Snuff. He does his own thing in his own place. Although he does sometimes also join up with them.
1: Has he always been like that, Elise? Um, I, th- I think for the last few years, he's been like, hey, I have hit, hit the pinnacle of what I want to do in EVE. I know exactly what it is that I like. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to be in a place where I can do what what it is that I want. And uh, like you said, he he sets up, um, he's, I don't know, I, I'd say he's probably, Eve's best fisherman, right? So he catches the whales. He sets up bait for people. Uh, he puts in like hundreds of hours just for uh, like, uh, like a big gank or something like that. Like he puts in all the work himself. He knows what it is that he likes to do. Um, and that's just his play style. And so
0: when I said like, oh, he's, he's joined snuff. um I don't know if it was you, but I'm going to say it was you, even if it wasn't. Uh, he said, yeah, I never thought I'd see him in, uh, you know, in Goon Swarm. And I thought, well, Snuff isn't Goonswarm. They broke off. And then uh, he said, well, I thought that was a meme. And I was like, no, it's a real thing. They actually broke off. But I'll tell you what, then they rejoined, in a sense, because they were using initiative to attack uh, something that Test was defending, uh, that Keepstar. And I just don't know about Snuff. Like, are they against the Imperium? Are they for the, are they with the Imperium? Because their Elite FC is showing up on um, the meta show every once in a while. So it just feels like there's still a
1: bond there. I, I think that's exactly what they want, though. I think they want people to be like, well, are they, aren't they? What, what are they going to do? Like, you, you see them, like, dunking on Goon Supers in Delve. Um, Snuff killed, I think, the first Goon Super in two years under the Delve Super Cap umbrella. Like, They're the first Titan in in a few years under the the super cap umbrella. Like they've, they've always been uh, skirting around a little bit. So, but they work Mm -hmm. with initiative. Sometimes they don't like, uh, that's just their thing. They want to keep you guessing, which is in EVE online. When everyone craves like perfect knowledge of what's going on, like every FC wants perfect knowledge. Every uh, Alliance leader wants to know what's going on. It's pretty, um, it's pretty good to have that chaos working on your side yeah so speaking of whaling you said that
0: PNF smash from now snuff is one of the best whalers in the game uh there was a whaler video that came out um and people seem to really enjoy it does anybody watch that
1: it's like 30 minutes long which is it's super good you should definitely watch it uh i was reading like a bunch of the comments yeah. and people were like oh geez i like all now like uh like yeah, one over. <laughs> Like, he's not just a, a shitty gurgoon poster. We, we like what he does now. We're, we're happy with him. So you should definitely give it a shout it's re- or give it a watch. It's really fun. Um, I find it entertaining at least. Yeah,
0: I watched part of it, but I, it's just it's funny to see that kind of gameplay. He constantly had a bunch of clients up, right?
1: What he does is actually insane. Uh, like, it's absolutely mm-hmm. madness to see how effective he is. He, he, he like basic for people don't, that don't know basically just lives in Delves and harasses goons. And that's his, that's what he does. Uh, so he's got like a bunch yeah. of clients running. He knows where the bad guys are going to be. If you're in a Rorqual and you're not paying attention, he's going to boost your executors away and take them and then sell them back to you. Like he's always oh, that the type guy, of Yeah. Thing. yeah. Uh, uh, any means of, of dropping on you or making your life more miserable and making a profit from it, he will definitely do. And it is really, really fun to, to see him do it. Yeah, he's running
0: for CSM, so this is a good time for him to get a lot of publicity.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the CSM race is going to be really hard for, for people to sneak in, so... Uh. Oh, my
0: God. We'll talk about that in just a minute. It's super. It's going to be a super competitive race. Um, but let's go back to Tribute, uh, Carneros. So you guys also put down uh, a, a star, right? Did you mention that?
2: Yeah, we, there, if you do catch the Meta Show... There was a fun story told where Tosi was a guest, of the, uh, one of the leaders of uh, Goonswarm Offensive Logistics, GSOL, And he was the guy who dropped the Keepstar. Now, it takes a certain level of, of uh, testicular fortitude to um, pilot a Titan in hostile space right next to an, an on on grid with it. And warp your Titan, warp your freighter to a spot and drop this really quickly. And just as he uh, finishes warping in, a stealth bomber, hostile stealth bomber decloaks next to him. And he's quickly, quickly clicking to drop the structure as fast as he can, because um, he, he knows that that stealth bomber could technically stop him and stop the whole thing right here and
0: kill him. Could kill him so and he, the thing he's carrying inside, well,
2: right? He's more he doesn't care about his freighter. All he cares about is his payload, the, the keep star. So uh, you know, and that he he quickly got it up, but he's been he trained for you know over and over again on singularity to get it down to he under seven seconds to drop a keep star and get it going. So that in that case it worked in his favor, but you know. Uh, part of the success of these operations is planning and getting, knowing what you're going to do and getting it down right and just executing.
0: So, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Actually, I practiced dropping a Keepstar on the test server over and over again because I was going to deploy a few Keepstars uh, to build up uh, a certain thing, uh, Sanctuary Keepstar effort, which I have abandoned. Uh, I can explain why at some other point, but. While I was practicing, I was realizing that you have to do all that with a lot of stress, and you have to align it so it's facing the right way, and you have to drop it where you need it. It's it's not that easy and super stressful. So to do it in a combat zone must be amazingly uh, stressful.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where we put like such a high value on uh, people who are like great PvPers who who know how to take a fight like that, but there is like essentially the same level of skill. Uh, required to be good at uh, doing uh, logistics chains and what uh, Carnarus was talking about, like just ninja dropping a keep star casually uh, next to, right next to the hostile uh, deployment zone in seven seconds. Yeah.
0: Well, so that keepstar went down, and um, if you don't know, we had um, we have kind of like relaxed streams that we do uh, twice a week in the morning, just to kind of keep, kind of keep up with news and talk about things. And Killa came by, uh, on, was it Tuesday or it was Tuesday? I think, no, it was Thursday. And we actually published that episode because there was just so much information from, uh, Killabee about what's happening in tribute and the defensive tribute on the NC side things. So check that out. But, um, yeah. So what? So what else is going on in tribute uh, before we go south to see what's going on with test and fraternity? Well, so the new keep star, which is in the system
2: KQK1 Tac2, is actually the new staging system. We moved all of the super caps and caps and subcaps there. It's not within jump range of the uh, NC dots and Panfam. Well, Pandemic Legion. Supercap forces; those are in K, uh, Those are in SH1, Tac6P, but it's one mid midpoint away. So the two sides are only one midpoint away from each other at the moment in terms of supercap fights. Uh, so that's now a factor to think about as one's going around. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other than that, they're just running around in packs, doing stuff, and
0: I mean, there's guys- nothing exciting to stream at the moment. Are you guys going after iHubs or are you just tearing apart like Solve right now?
2: Some of everything they, they've got. They published an internal list of targets that are uh, recommended. Um, some people are crazy, aren't going to shoot anything. And, and you can't account for those crazy people. Uh, so um, I caught one of my guys in a solo far off shooting a random structure and i thought oh, come on you guys the, we gave you a whole list of targets and you pick some other unrelated entity and go shoot no alone in an ag that was a good idea anyway <laughs> but, uh, the everybody's got people like that yeah we, we have a lot of them i don't know why but they uh but no groups are coming out and people someone will sign up for jammers or someone will sign up for a four or a sotio or and they'll just go take a fleet and go run off and um, yeah, it's, it's an adventure each time, especially if you've never flown under that FC before. We've got a whole bunch of new FCs trying stuff out and they have permission to take a fleet. Good luck guys. Speak up if you need help. You know? You, yeah. It's crazy. Some of them are chatty, like Asher. Some of them are quiet and serious like Apple Pear.
0: Yeah. Well, so the fight goes on in tribute and it looks like, um, from what we heard the other day that there won't be a strong defense happening. Uh, this looks like the reverse of what happened in 2016, doesn't it? Uh, the casino war, world war B. That's some of that
2: feeling is there in reverse, but, um, it's not, it's not all the way there yet, but there is a, a feeling that, uh, the one side is a more powerful force and the other side is picking their opportunities wisely and being careful and is uh, avoiding engagements where that makes sense uh, and looking to uh, take others where they think they can have an
1: advantage. and And that's exactly what you want to do. Like speaking generally, not for this exact situation, but like, If there's a bigger guy pushing like just invading and they've got all this momentum, you don't want to feed into that momentum. Right. So uh, you take fights where you can get them. Sometimes, I I guess, uh, a big strategy is to go to the other side of the map and uh, make the person bleed. This is something that's happened for a long, long time. Uh, I think the the funniest example or and people are probably going to get mad about me saying this. But back in the day when Band of Brothers, which was like the biggest group, they lived in Delve. Uh, they did something called a, a max damage campaign. It was called max. Uh, so they, them and Atlas just deployed North and just dropped uh, capitals on everything. And they were like, Oh, we've got all these capitals. You guys can't fight us. And what ended up happening is the, the people that lived in the North uh, contracted mercenaries to go down South and shot up all their super cap assembly arrays. Um, and they had the, the Bob people had to call off their max campaign because they had to go back home because their home was burning. Uh, so, there are really funny similarities between that, that, which happened like 11, 12 years ago, and this right now. It's really funny. Obviously, the, the people that are deploying north, uh, the game's completely changed, right? So, they don't have to deploy back to, to save everyone. They can just when at the guy's dying and say, How? Why'd you die? You shouldn't have done that. But I, I just think it's really funny that the will residents going north doing a max damage campaign.
0: Yeah, it's kind of what Sis and is, it like, just destroy as much as possible because they're not going to take solve. I don't, don't have an interest in that. That's a roller vessel.
1: Yeah, it's really, it's really neat. and I, I like to see how uh, history kind of like doesn't necessarily exactly repeat itself, but there are like little similarities, uh, which I find really interesting considering we live in this uh, virtual world. Yeah. By the way, I forgot to introduce McLeod
0: because he's on camera. I can see now. Uh, so hello. He's our engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I would have introduced you, but I wasn't looking at the camera. That's uh, fine.
2: Okay. If so, the, If you can see the camera and, and the video, just keep in mind that the good guys wear white hats and the bad guys wear black hats. That's all you need to know.
0: <laughs> what are you trying to say? Okay, so that's uh, what's going on in Tribute. Um, and uh, in the South, there's also some stuff going on. It looks like um, the Winter Coalition is at war again with uh, Legacy. And it looks like both sides have dropped citadels in each other's territory, uh, which results in fighting over timers. So it looks like there is some uh, some action going on down there. It's not like they're standing still in the south while things happen in the north. There's um, there's a lot of activity down there. And we will talk about that uh, this week and next week as
1: things go on. Yeah, the okay. action in the south has been going on for a little bit and it did seem they hit a bit of a stalemate for a while. Um, I can't help but laugh at the the shape of the fire coalition, uh, uh, but yeah, but now it does seem to have picked up a little bit. It does seem to be more, there's more fighting in earnest going on in the South and in the North. I'd say in that conflict, but
0: yeah, I I cringe every time I see the map too, because it just looks uh, for people who can't see what we're talking about. It just looks a little either phallic or it depends on how it could look like a bow tie, I suppose. I don't know.
1: I don't think it looks like a bow tie to anybody. <laughs> you no, know, that's not what they think.
0: <laughs> yeah, it looks like a... And it's and it's bright red compared to everything else. It's like a really calm light and beige. I can, and I can
3: try and change that if needs be. Oh, no, it's okay. It's all right.
0: Yeah, yeah we're enjoying it. it. Anyway, so, yeah, so... Uh, that border area that that is uh, funny looking is really where a lot of is happening with elo knight uh taking on basically uh pro god and uh, Villy. so good stuff going on down there okay yeah let's let's get the uh thanks for drawing on the map i was
3: gonna say let's get the red rocket so off the, the screen like that area like i mean i can okay. i can kind of like just get rid of that <laughs> okay all right <laughs> anyway <laughs>
0: yeah so um so uh, the big news is really this, uh, the, the stuff that's going on outside of the game as part of the development path that CCP is doing. Uh, we want to talk about the invasion. and uh, But first, let's stop by with Eve Down Under that just happened this weekend, starting uh, a couple of days ago. Did you guys watch that? Did watch oh. some of the stream, yes.
1: Yeah, I watched part of it as well. Um, Obviously, because the time zone change, I couldn't watch or the time zone difference. I couldn't watch everything, but I tried to, to watch as much as I could. A lot of the presentations were really funny. I quite enjoyed, enjoyed a CCB and Aquarians uh, presentation. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen it, it's like a, a QA art thing. And he has all these uh, weird little insights to the people that work there instead of just a presentation on just stuff. So you can find out who owns half the DDR machines in Iceland. Spoiler <laughs> alert, it's a CCP art guy.
4: I was uh, I was very glad to uh, to have stayed up late that night and caught the broadcast live. Uh, and I got to see Hilmar really, uh, really lay out some of the, you know, larger issues with the game, uh, the stagnancy of uh, Sov and uh, recognizing those issues very openly and phrasing them in his own words in such a way that shows truly that he's connected to the game. As many have said, he is not. I think that, uh, he's really shown that, you know, he understands the core of the game. You know, he understands, uh, what makes it fun. He understands what brings in more players and that he's willing to take steps, even difficult ones, uh, that may upset things to write the ship.
0: Yeah. the Hillmar thing was very interesting. Uh, but before we get there, let's actually talk a little more about EVE Down Under and what was actually, what, what news was made there besides the Hillmar stuff? Because I actually want to take that and talk about it a little bit. But what other things can we tick off from uh, EVE Down Under? Uh 64 bit client uh, open beta is coming. Yeah. That's big news. And they showed the new trailer, uh, which we uh, have, but we'll, we'll show that when we, show the ex- when we start talking expansion. Um, I, th- I thought, uh, poor mimic's voice was just,
3: um, just so weak. It was so sad. I hope she recovers from whatever that is. She was a champ, like, uh, going up and doing a presentation, even when her voice was like practically non-existent. Yeah. And we saw Dunk Dinkle there. He's from
0: Los Angeles. So he flew all the way over there to be a part of that. And, uh, I, I suppose he did. it, it was- because Yeah.
1: Oh, it's just very cool to see the, the Duncan Kigali romance take, uh, take form. Yeah, I was going to say Kigali
0: is there. So uh, I think Kigali is a native from uh, Australia. And uh, those are the number one and two, I think, in Brave. So, yeah, they were hanging out.
1: Um, Mom Bellacost was, was there, too. Uh, Mom yeah. Bellacost did some really cool stuff, also from Brave. Um, she actually started, there was a bit of a, a, a gaffe, I guess you would call it where uh they designed the t-shirts but misspelled sydney uh they they replaced them with proper spelling <laughs> yeah. city, but they spelled it s-i-d-n-e-y uh, which is not sydney australia uh but it was her idea to auction those off for charity which was i thought a super good idea uh because they were just going to like throw those out or something or burn them uh but no she was like hey why don't you just offer them for charity and do like a charity thing everyone was like oh shit that's a great idea it was- Wow.
0: Yeah. Making lemon juice out of, or lemonade out of lemons. he made some video about the, uh, uh, Duncan Kigali on screen there. I am actually really enjoying the stream. I was a little disappointed in the audience's numbers cause it was only a hundred or 200. And I figured it would be, you know, much more than that since this was, oh, you'd also see Otto Bismarck on uh, with the microphone there. Um, I just thought there would be more people uh, watching the stream. So I was kind of surprised. Maybe people caught it after, um, afterwards.
1: I think uh, a lot of it was, um, it was one of those things where you weren't really sure where you could watch it. Because for all the other ones, it'd be on the CCB Twitch channel. This one was on the Eve Down Under Twitch channel. So I know a lot of people were like, hey, how right. wh- are you watching this? Like, it's not on the Twitch thing. I was like, oh, it's actually on its own thing. Oh, that's a really good
0: point. You're right. It wasn't on the EVE. And why wouldn't it have been? It's interesting.
1: I, I don't know. I think that was just a mistake. Honestly, <laughs> I think they were just like, hey,
0: mistakes made. Yeah, wrong key used, but but it was a good stream. I actually really enjoyed watching it. You saw sort Dragon go up there, too. It was neat. It was really neat. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on EDU. Uh, what's the actual channel? Is it EDU
3: or Twitch.edu? It's, uh, it's EDU
0: it's, underscore
1: live.
3: Yep, that's the one. He's right. in a jumpsuit. I have no idea, but will
0: put cool. it in. We'll put it in show notes so you can see it. But, um, yeah, interesting. So announcements came out of there. Um, but one of the most, one of the things that caught everybody's imagination was hearing from Hilmar, who was kind of funny because he, he kept, he kept chiming in on just about everything, uh, which couldn't have been comfortable for the devs who would say something. And then Hilmar would jump in and like extend the remarks. Um, So I think that must've been nerve wracking for devs, but he was there just like grabbing the mic and talking uh, about every topic. And there was one uh, that uh, Fonsway talked about here where he, they said, what's wrong with NullSec? It's boring. And he actually talked to that subject, which was fascinating. Your guys' thoughts on that?
1: I I have a, I actually think it's great, obviously, but uh, I have like, there's like a really kind of bittersweet part of it. Um, when when this went up on, on Reddit, uh, like people were talking about, they were like, holy shit, he actually said the thing that we all think is true. That's great to hear. And then Jintan, who used to be like so positive and bubbly and and just not sad at all, uh, or not cynical at all, comes in with like, hey guys, uh, get excited when you see plans, not promises. <laughs> and I just saw like the transformation of Jintan after being on the CSM for three years from this super bubbly person, to this skeptic, cynical, more skeptic and, and cynical, cynical person.
4: Uh, it just shows how hard the, the CSM can wear on you. Well, I, I think it's less a matter of promises and words versus action and more that people have claimed that Hilmar is disconnected and doesn't get it but I don't think that you can fake the kind of understanding that he was talking about that came from his mind. That didn't, that's not coached. You know, he feels those things. He believes those things, or at least I certainly believe that he does after he said it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we have that feeling when we did an AM or when we did the AMA with him and in, in a brief interview, like he actually does have a strong sense for uh, what Eve should be and what Eve isn't right now. Like it's, it's really good. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to, and obviously we have no insight, but he's been playing a lot more in the last year two years so he definitely feels like hey this game is different than i remember it (laughs) what's wrong here what's 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 changed
0: well carneros isn't this like um a sign of isn't this a good sign that ccp was bought by another mmo company so they could focus on the mmo product they have and here you have the ceo of you know who's been trying to develop other technologies and other platforms back at CCP playing the game, uh, maybe playing it or maybe just focused on it. I don't know if he's playing it or not, but that just seems like a good recipe for development. Well, he, he is playing the game, but in addition, he is splitting
2: his focus between some other uh, CCP projects. You know, there's a small team incubating in London. Don't forget that they have jobs posted on the on the career page there he's paying attention to that design and that pre-production and what's going on with that it is it is still um in the new eden universe so it has some eve flavor and setting to it he's paying attention to that Mm -hmm. The, the pearl abyss is not a is not a factor he still has to do his business parts of his job too uh and that you know that Uh, is always going to be a part of life. He doesn't get to just make games in a creative vacuum. They have to make business sense and he has to do his business due diligence. And, you know, that might even be a little bit more complicated by the fact that headquarters is now based in London. Uh, The the Great Britain is going through a bit of a transition, we might say, not to bring up politics. Yeah, yeah. There's things changing. I honestly don't think... Pearl Abyss is worth bringing up in this context. The other games that they're working on might be and other parts of life might be, mm. uh, you can tell he's doing a lot of things in, uh, right in life. He's, he's in great shape. He's in the best shape I've ever seen him in. You know, he's, he looks younger than when he and I last worked together, you know, years ago. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well he's taking I, I time for it. himself yeah yeah i see what you're saying he's uh right uh i think it's very interesting what he said and, it, and and essentially if i could paraphrase you know, F- fonsui said earlier and maybe at least you can chime in but he's saying like this place is too complacent people are too safe in nullsec and what we need to do is make things scarier and more mysterious and we m- need to make it basically harder. We need to make this game harder for these people because they figured out too much and they, there's too much known knowledge. Therefore, we need to move on this fast. And if we need to do it wrong, we'll do it wrong, but we're going to move on this, which I thought was bold.
1: Yeah, I think they're definitely making Eve like a, a more spooky, scary place. Uh, the whole like Triglavian uh, type thing, like the invasion of the Triglavians is, is a really neat touch. And honestly, the, it kind of goes to show the, the planning that's gone along uh, over the last few few years, at least, or at least the, the last 18 months. Because they, they're timing this whole gameplay Triglavian thing also with like their, their events, right? So the, it's the EVE Invasion World Tour. So all of that kind of like goes together, which means this has been in planning for, for months. It's actually kind of neat to see CZB plan kind of uh, on a large scale like that. It's not something where we're necessarily used to seeing.
0: Yeah, I should be said that uh, this is Hilmar's first trip to Australia on behalf of CCP that uh, has been public. So the first time he's been to that uh, part and he was out p- partying with a bunch of people. I think he even got thrown out of a bar because <laughs> he was too rowdy. <laughs> was, you know, it's, it's not my thing, but I, I like to see that he has that kind of spirit, right? He understands that these are, they're all in it together, including him. So
1: and yes. he definitely knows his people, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Uh the Eve Australian group is definitely known for that.
0: You ever,
2: people well, need
1: Vikings, right? I, I,
2: the community of an MMO is is like being in a relationship. And you know, they've been Hilmar's been in this relationship for 16 years. Yes, he does understand who we are as as a community.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that's interesting. Now, what that said to me, let's let's just cut right to it. It says to me that uh people are gravitating towards the blue donut or basically big groups. And it's really divided between like two to four groups only. And if that's all the gameplay is, then this place is incredibly small and doomed in my opinion. And I'm not being dark about it. I think like when the game starts to feel small, it becomes, you become uh, less immersed in it. You know, it's like when you go to a, high school or a university, when you first get there, the place is gigantic and mysterious and exciting. And by the time you're graduating, it's like, yeah, that's just that, you know, it's, it's all done. You've, you've kind of ruled the place and you know what it's like. And it's a, it's a completely different feeling. So uh, for EVE Online, uh, a virtual world that can be as big as really your imagination, you need to keep it mysterious and dark as long as possible. So what's happened is that NullSec is kind of the, the news that you're seeing, the way it's talked about from all corners, the way it's actually perceived is that it's all kind of figured out. And you see basically one group walking over another uh, in the north. It's a little more interesting in the south. The, the thing about the invasion of Tribute and um Swarm having all those pilots now with that many Titans and you know, big hardware, it just doesn't feel very exciting for, of course, for NC, it doesn't feel exciting, which I'm a part of, but I don't think it's exciting from my other perspective, which is just as an observer of the game.
1: I mean, on the, on the, I, I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time, you have to uh, have a sense of appreciation for, for what Goonswarm and the Imperium have created, right? It's not something that's easy to do. You have this gigantic, gigantic social structure so much organization, so much everything, um, just worked in there. Like it's a it's a machine that that runs. It's uh, incredibly large in its size and it's what it can do. It's it's a really impressive feat. You can argue that hey, maybe the game shouldn't have uh, pushed the complexity creep so hard, where <laughs> these groups all want to merge together. But at the same time, you do have to take a step, sit back, and say, hey the fact that someone's been able to make this structure in a video game is actually very, very impressive.
0: Yeah. Uh, let me bring Ashtarothy in here. If you want to uh, comment on Hilmar's comments at all.
5: Oh, um, I think that, not. It, I, I mean, about Hilmar's comments specifically, I think that it's, it was good for him to voice that because the narrative that CCP in particular, the upper echelons of, um, of the company not getting what the player base values has become increasingly more of a like solid narrative if that makes sense so the fact that he was able to speak directly to it and uh in a way that makes people say no way he at least gets what's important so hopefully that says something about the future decisions um is a huge thing so i'm really appreciative that he did so
1: and I just want to say one more thing uh, about the the Hillmore thing because I I thought it was great, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that uh, again, what well, Jintan's Jintan's like, calm down, like don't get too hype. Point was wait yeah. until you see actions. But because like just the day before, uh, we got word that that the exploration is getting changed in a very big way, which I know Asheroth they have some has some feelings on, but. Um, you'll be able to see anomalies and signatures uh, basically through the agency window, no matter where. Like, so you can see within one jump, uh, you can see the exact site that's around there. Two jumps or further, you can only see like, the existence of a site. But that does mean if you're, if you're just chilling, you can have the agency window open. if you see a wormhole pop up or a wormhole type thing pop up in your constellation, you can be like, oh, shit, maybe bad guys are
5: coming. So a it does, small correction uh, for that. You can see anomalies within your system and the next system over signatures will still always have to be scanned down to know exactly what they are.
0: All right. We're going to table that discussion because we want to get deep into that. That's an interesting thing when we get to the invasion expansion. But wrapping up on uh, EVE Down Under, we have um, the CSM candidates were announced as well. Uh, And there are 42 or 44. 44. Of which I am one. Uh, but there are also a lot of other good ones in there. The thing is, the reality is, and I've talked to several people about this, which is something I do all the time, uh, try to figure out like what, figure out from different people's perspective, what, what's going on. And in doing so, I realized that uh, really eight out of 10 seats are just booked up by nullsec players. And it strikes me as odd. And I've had a conversation with somebody about this. You can't It's hard to say we, uh, it's hard to tell people not to vote for their team, right? They want to do their bit. They want to be loyal and do what they're supposed to do for their group. But the CSM is supposed to be a player group, not a partisan alliance group. Yet all the representation is powered by loyalty to an alliance, not uh, any kind of um, campaigning that players do.
1: I think there is the, the problem with the, the CSM elections, as you've like pointed out, is the groups in EVE Online very strongly value the CSM. Like they think it's a good institution and it's valuable. The players don't necessarily share that same viewpoint. Um, so the people voting don't really care about the CSM. They just want their guys to win, as you put it. Um, wherein if they... That cared a little bit more about the CSM or had a little bit more knowledge about what it did. Maybe they'd be like, Hey, I don't necessarily have to vote on my, uh, my ticket because no one's going to know, anyways. I'm maybe I could vote for this guy that I like. And people do do that. Like, um, there are a, a non insignificant amount of people who don't vote the party lines or whatever, right? They, yeah. they just vote for whoever they want. But there are a huge amount of people who are just like, Oh, it's the CSM thing. Oh, I have to vote this way. Okay, easy. My guy wins. Woohoo. I can celebrate. <laughs> We won. Yeah, we exactly. Won. It's, the, it's like a, a microcosm of EVE. You're like, you want to win. You don't necessarily care about like, anything. You don't care what it is. Yeah. You just, you just know that you want, you want that W. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a weird That's a weird problem, I think, just as a spectator. Not only because this is going to affect me. I don't have a coalition necessarily to run in. I'm not what you would consider a traditional nullsec player. All the stuff that I'm talking about isn't really nullsec oriented it's more about uh different things but it it, it's very strange that there are really only two spots open for any kind of miscellaneous and one of those spots is taken by the very capable steve that everybody likes and he's more of a technical person uh but he's a third-party builder and people like the applications that he gives for free so it's very it's very um It's very, very interesting to me that it seems very broken. I know I have a vested interest to say that, but I just see it as an analyst that the system seems kind of broken for what its purpose is supposed to be. Because now it's become, for alliances, a reward for your guys. So if Killer B wants to run for NC, Vince is going to say, Killer B's our guy. So he gets on the ticket. And if that's enough to get him in, he's in. Uh, on I'm the other side
2: sure of it, is the right word, though. Broken says it's not functioning.
0: I think oh, it's a right. little
2: unfair, but I think it is functioning. I think it's functioning pretty well, actually, compared looking at we have 13 of them to compare against. It's this is a good this is on the functional side of the spectrum of the 13 we've seen so far.
0: I know that Hilmar even pointed to the effectiveness of CSM. And uh, you can see that through the minutes, which we read. Uh, you know that they all talk with one voice and it's very, um, it works. The people that are in there are good and they make it work. What I'm thinking of is that it's, it, it seems like the incentive structure to get into CSM is, is now no longer for players uh, at large, ad hoc players. I know it seems like a naive thing, sure. Like, yeah, if you don't belong to a coalition, you can't get in. But, but I think it's very interesting because what that does is make the make the pressure applied to CCP fairly one-sided. Okay. But maybe that's a topic we can get into uh, another time. That's very deep.
1: I mean, we can, I think, uh, one of the most interesting, interesting things about the CSM or at least the candidates is who is not on there that we thought was going to be on there and who is on there oh, that yeah. we didn't think was going to be on there. I didn't know was going to be. On yeah. There. I think the, the biggest surprise for me was to see just gobbins. And when I loaded the candidates thing, uh, like just to the way the website works is it just randomizes the order. Uh, but for me, when I did it, it just randomized Gobbins at the very top with his little bald head facing down. I was like, Gobbins, what? Yes. And his little uh, speech, his little bio is literally just sound yeah. the Horde horn. <laughs> like,
2: for those yeah. of you who don't know, Gobbins is the uh, leader of Pandemic Horde, one of the uh, PanFam group. So yeah, wow. he's got, and that's a big group. So he's he's going to have some some support.
0: Yeah, and Elo Knight, who by all by all reports was was serious about running for CSM, was denied entry into the candidacy.
1: And uh, Cable Uta is another name that uh, that a lot of people were kind of looking at as a dark horse guy. Um, he's from Volta. Like he he's not on there. I thought he would be great. He was endorsed by uh, Suetonia and myself, among other people. I thought he would have been great. But nope, he didn't make it on either. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how these people didn't make it on. Was it just because uh, they didn't do the application process correctly or they didn't apply at all and it was just a meme? Or I, I don't know. Indiscretions in their youth. Yeah, that, that could be it, too.
0: Yeah. There's uh, Andres. He is a player from NC. and uh, Wormholes, I think. And he was he was denied as well. I think he'd had a ban in his history, but the ban got overturned. But I guess that wasn't enough to let him on the CSM. Uh, and yeah, they didn't. CCP did not tell anybody why they weren't on there, either bad paperwork or discipline problems in the past. Um, but yeah, there were people missing. The, there's yeah, a couple in in of the white right? paper,
1: it does say if you've, if you've been banned for any reason, then you're not eligible to run. Right, So I guess that's part of the, the thing. But
0: So maybe the reversal doesn't
4: take that away. You were still, I don't know. Yeah. Who
0: knows? I, I've got no idea.
4: Yeah, me either. A, a reversal would seem to indicate that they decided that the ban was inappropriate to begin with. It could be mercy, you know. But like, yeah,
0: and Brisk, as Seda says here, in Brisk's case where it was seen like, okay, we misinterpreted something, so it's our fault, our bad. We're going to unban you. It seems like that's an exoneration that should allow you to run again if should you want to. In fact, that was made explicit when they made the announcement.
5: Um, it's my understanding like, that he could, but he just what didn't want to after all. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Yeah, that yeah that exactly. But, the, but for somebody who had been banned and then unbanned, it could have been like, okay, well, we'll we'll reverse the ban, but you're not exonerated. You're still considered persona non grata. I don't know. Just thinking. Yeah. Uh, So, so, so Elo Knight didn't show, but there was a wormhole guy that didn't get on either. Um, but you know, here it is 44
1: people to select from and uh, make your choices. It's stacked too. Like it's stacked with like really, really good people, huge names as well. Um, I know there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of worry after the brisk gate that like, Oh, no, one's going to want to run for CSM ever again, blah, 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 it's dead. Um, that is absolutely not the case. I don't think I've seen a stronger group of candidates, um, for a long, long time. Like, uh, this is absolutely insane with the, the number of people or the, yeah. the quality of people, I guess.
0: Yeah. And back to kind of my gripe, do you see any non
1: PVP, um, people in there? Uh, you do, uh, I think uh, Manic Velocity is not really running on a PvP platform. Right. Um, Dunk Dinkle. Dunk Dinkle not, is not necessarily running on a, a, a PvP thing. Steve uh, is there. A Jurious Doctor uh, from, from uh, mm-hmm. our show is, is, is there as well. Uh, Mike yeah. Azaria, who has used to be on the CSM, I think CSM 4, uh, not really yeah. a PvP guy. That's true, yes,
0: uh, Mike. Uh, there's also Izuki, by the way. Wormholes, uh, wormholers have at least one choice. I think they have more than one, but is the one that I know the best. Wormhole
2: people, please get together under one banner. Please, you know, please work yeah. together this time, guys.
0: It's in, uh, and you know it seems like he's he's also considered one of the people fighting for that one or two spots there. You know, so you have Izuki, you have uh, Mike, Azariah. Uh, these are huge names, um, and steve all kind of fighting for these little spots because the big groups have kind of taken up most of the most of the billy v- is running uh but he's likely to get
1: on yeah billy's so. running and the ceo of dreaded is also running for the, the legacy of so legacy three people that they are trying to shove on um which should be interesting Horde has
0: three as well yeah,
1: yeah um, no, but horde I, think horde or, I think horde i'll go behind gobbins i think the the other ones are just like independence or or something that aren't necessarily on the thing i don't know i don't know who are the russian bloc gonna vote for who are the russians gonna vote
2: for there's no russian candidate this year
0: well Sword dragon says that he tries to uh tries to uh talk to them and i think he's had support in the past so they might they might help him out which would be kind of a wild card
1: vote Who's fraternity gonna vote for like they were they were all as far as i knew like they were all gonna go for elo but now, yeah, exactly. Who are you gonna, who's he going to do? Well, I,
0: I've decided that I'm. I am. Uh, well, I won't, I won't colorfully characterize it like Aerith does when he and I talked. But uh, I am going to ask. Is I'm going to ask for as many favors as I can to get on balance. It's Just there's just no other
3: way to scrape it together. So, uh, yeah, gonna gonna no, do there, that. There is, a, uh, there is actually a guy from Fraternity who's a CSM can- candidate. He's called Arrow Speed Bounty. Okay, there you go. So uh, we got I, that one
4: guy.
0: It's true, but I don't know how high up he is. He may be, I, I don't know anything about him, but I'm not sure who he is. It's, he's definitely not an appointed or anointed figure like uh, Elo Knight it might have been or something.
2: In terms of not knowing who people are, is this a good time to mentioned that talking at stations is going to try to do interviews with as many of these people as possible. Please do. Uh,
3: yes, yeah, we are.
2: Yay. Um, I know I'm, I'm signed up to do a couple of them. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those drop. They're all going to be sort of 20, 30 minutes in, in length, um, one each, where it's one interviewer and one
3: candidate alone
2: in, a, in an interview.
3: Stand by for those guys. And if you're a candidate and don't know anything about this whole like you know interviews uh, by talking installation sort of thing, like get in touch with us. Like we 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 want to do as many of the uh, the candidates as possible and get it out to uh, to the public as fast as possible. So,
2: yeah, our scheduler is Artemis Albosa, Artemis Albosa.
0: Yeah. So if you need to get your voice out there to people, we definitely will publish that. We need to get that all done two or three days before election time. Otherwise people won't have a chance to, to download it and listen to it in time. So
3: do
1: that quickly. I've recused myself from all that. I hope, I hope Govins wants to do an interview. I'd love to hear a Govins CSM. That's
0: yes. We've been trying to get Govins for a long time and, uh, it's, I don't think it's any secret that he and I talk uh, in real life since he lives in Los Angeles, too. And I, I really like him as a, as a person. And if he wants to do an interview, like that would be an interview I would want to do anyway. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think he'll do it. He doesn't like talking in, in public, but we'll see.
4: All right. The, the sort of candidate that I think that uh, would appeal to me is not necessarily one that represents My my the type of content that I engage in directly, but rather the one who understands the larger picture and the health of the game as a whole and wants to bring more players, you know, so I don't I'm in signal cartel. We don't hold sovereignty. We don't engage in that part of the game, but I recognize that that is a extremely critical portion of the game and that, you know, speaks to the health of the overall player base. Uh, So Even if someone isn't necessarily, well, I'm an explorer, you know, I do PVE, you know, we're non-aggressive, etc. Like, I don't need a candidate that represents those specific values. I need a candidate that is a good focus
5: group member for CCP. Can I jump on that real quick? Yeah, I I know that Matterall won't say this about himself, so I will. Um, The reason why I support Steve and Matterall specifically is because what they bring is who they are, right? They know things and they have these talent for things and this passion for things. It's not about positions, and that is incredibly important when it comes to choosing the CSM members. It's not about what position that you want them to advocate for because, in the end, that actually doesn't have that much influence on, C- on the CCP. It's not like your pet project is going to get chosen because you got your guy elected. But the point is that who do you want in that room? Who do you want to help them figure out what to do next and what's wrong? Like, that is incredibly important and so you need people that have that talent not just good ideas yeah i mean, also,
2: can we just stop for a second and thank xylex xenix for tifting uh, for gifting five tier one subs on twitch thank you sir
1: pretty amazing he does that every oh, week I that. every single oh, week damn. he does that what a, what a play!
0: how could you miss that much. it just lit up the chat it's a, thank you very much XY <laughs> really appreciate that
3: all right. I was too busy laughing at the at, um, uh, astronaut child dog in, in the background, background. Yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: not his dog. That's my son. That's his kid. <laughs> oh, no. He's just no. got, him, so sorry. He's just got okay. him tied up and gagged. He's really excited. Oh, okay. My bad. Um, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um. Well, thanks very much. Okay, so let's move on because we've got a lot to cover now. We're just halfway through, but our... Our time is running out. Should we talk about this next expansion? Yes, sir, we should. All right. That's, I love that it's called Eve
2: Online Invasion. So we've yeah. had Incarna, Incursion, and Invasion. They all sound a little bit similar at first.
0: <laughs> but yeah. So this drops this Tuesday, May 28th. And uh, for a really deep explanation, uh, analysis of this we're going to release uh the day before that ashtarothy talking about point by point all the patch notes so listen to that coming up in a day or two
5: i put a lot of work into it so you better listen to it
0: <laughs> <laughs> but let's do it let's do our own version of that and go through it a little quicker just to get through some of the stuff um actually fun sweet so you you can you tell us about these
4: invasions that are going to happen uh actually i can't and that's what's so awesome about it Uh, That is one of the most exciting things about this. There has been so little information that has been released about this. Uh, It's been uh, in character, in game, you know, in RP, the majority of information that's gone, that's gotten out to us. Um, Obviously, Hobo Leaks is a thing. People read it, people are aware of it and, you know, they see certain things. But there is so much that's being kept from us and we are going to find it out the very difficult very expensive, very pod expressway. And there's a lot of expensive ships that are going to go boom. Uh, I am extremely excited for figuring this out. Uh, if they, if they spoon fed it to us, it would be disappointing. But they have been leading up to this for ever in a day. As you said yourself, this world tour has this expansion's name on it. And both have been in the works, you know, for quite some time now. I think that they are executing this extremely well. So, what kinds of stuff are they not telling us that they usually do? Well, we don't, we know very little. So, obviously, there's some stuff that's out on Hobo. So, we know some of the uh, abilities and, you know, attributes of the structures and the rats that we're going to see, but we really don't know, you know, when they're going to do these things or how or the specifics or details. We don't have this min maxed and doctrined out like incursions are. Uh, It'll eventually get to that point, but I think that it's going to take some time to get there. And that learning process is uh, is part of the enjoyment. And it's it's uh, again, as you said earlier, you know, you show up a new place and it's expansive and huge and full of wonder. And if they handed it to us, that would just be gone. So when we eventually get to that stage, uh, you know, we'll have gotten we'll have gotten maximum enjoyment out of figuring it out. And uh, there's this one one little bit when uh, that I'm always reminded
1: about because I was on the CSM with Celine, um, who used to work at CCP, and he was also a uh, he's like a big name as well. He's the leader of BDCI. He was the leader of uh, Mercenary Coalition back in the day. And his uh, his take on incursions when they first came out is how great would it be if if the players did nothing about incursions they would just take over and beat us. Like, what if that, what if that type of uh, system uh, is there for the Triglavians? Like, what if, if you don't deal with them, what if they just start taking your shit and blowing it up and just making your space worthless and turning it to ash? Like, uh, what if that's a thing? And that's something we don't actually know. Maybe that is going to happen. But uh, the whole not knowing thing is, is quite great. It brings that, uh, that level of, of spookiness back to space. It's like, right? Absolutely.
4: Not to not to speak for Ashtorethi, but I know that he
5: uh, I'm echoing a lot of his sentiments regarding this as well. Yeah, to answer Matterall's question about how this normally goes, normally you would see these sites on singularity. So we'd be able to run them. We'd be able to test them. We'd be able to get no pretty good idea of what's coming not only have we basically not had these sites up on Singularity at all, so we haven't been able to see anything besides like the five or six pictures I managed to snag, which was only on one gate, not even in any of the actual sites. But they've been they've made it clear that they are keeping this a secret intentionally. And so the Hobo leaks information is even in question. They could change it. All that information. Everything about this is being actively concealed on a level that they have never done as long as I have been watching each.
1: And another, like, good uh, side effect of this is there's going to be shit that's super fundamentally broken that we're going to, the community is going to figure out and the players are going to figure out. And that's going to be really fun. <laughs> uh, there's going to be some indeed, really nifty indeed. ways that stuff is going to break. I, I, the reason I think about this is someone brought up diamond NPCs and uh, the diamond NPCs, if you haven't seen them for or interacted with them, you probably shot them once and they beat you up and then you would never shot them again. But uh, <laughs> I think that.
4: Oh, no, you can guess one of the things that we're that we're going to see now is we're going to blur the line between a bug and uh, working as intended, because we're going to die to something. And maybe CCP didn't code it the way that, you know, didn't think that it was going to react the way it does, uh, you know, in reality. But that doesn't mean that it's insurmountable. And we may come up with a way to, you know, to overcome that. And maybe that's not what they intended, and they're not going to change it because we figured out how to, how to work around it anyway. And this is like this is emergent gameplay of the next level, essentially. And that kind of brings me
1: back to Eve, like ten years ago, where if the bug happened, the, the meme was like, "Oh, it's just uh, an unintended feature. Don't worry about it." Yeah, oh. he wrote. Vitis wrote undocumented feature. Funny. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, oh. As
4: as long as we're able to get past it. In a controllable manner, as long as we're able to buffer for it in our fleet compositions, in our tactics and our strategies, if if it is able to be done in a systematic manner, no matter how much it takes to learn that and to develop that, then there is no need to change it. Right. So a uh, lot of mystery in this one. And we like
0: that. But what do we know? Let me go through a couple things here and you guys can stop me if you want to talk about something. But you're going to have uh, these uh system-wide effects as the abyssal uh the the guys the abyssal guys inside the systems that you go into are actually coming out into known space uh but only known space in high sec to start and we we understand this is a stage one so that it may actually get staged out into bigger and better things but uh you're gonna have roaming fleets then in these systems that have system-wide effects um and uh, it is said by CCP that these are Vanguard fleets for something bigger. So we know that it's going to be uh, growing. Um, and then there's a lot of, um, is there anything about that that you guys want to talk about? Like the actual PVE gameplay?
1: I assume it's going to be uh, very similar to what the Triglavians are right now. So you can't, I mean, you can sort of game it a little bit if you, if you cheese it, but it does feel way, way more interesting than current uh, incursions because the way incursions go, like, oh, you got to hit this trigger, then you hit that trigger, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that it doesn't work st-
4: with the Triglavians so much. There are certain abilities that we, that we know that Triglavians have there. You know, we know that they do explosive and thermal damage, so we can assume that we're going to see explosive and thermal damage in these sites, uh, unless we have some other friends that the Triglavians bring with them. But I believe these may very well be pure Triglavian fleets. We're also going to see new versions of all the rats. We're going to see additional rats that didn't exist before. There were no Kikimoras. There were no drekovax There were no Ikitursas. There were no Nurgles. All of these things are new, and they're going to be attacking us. We have very little idea what they're going to be able to do to us. Uh, we have seen, uh, you know, on Hobo leaks that there's going to be um, smart bombs of some sort. So, and uh, we've seen that the weather effects are going to impact. Uh, neg- they're going to negatively impact drone usage. Uh, We've also seen that the weather effects are going to positively impact mining, uh, which essentially means that we're going to have multi-pronged fleets. We're going to have, you know, we're going to go in and keep these rats busy. You guys go in and grab all that ore, you know, and we don't know what kind of ore we're going to see. It's possible that all the materials for Tech 2 production are going to come from this and it's going to require, you know, some of these, you know, multi-unit fleets that spread out over a system or a constellation.
5: And we're going to figure this all out the hard way yeah so a few things uh first of all invasions and incursions can both happen at the same time just to answer that question wow uh, according to the agency i don't know if they can like interfere with each other or what would happen but there was clearly a spot for uh for both in the new agency um we
2: need to send out scouts when the first one overlaps just so we can get good video footage
5: and see what happens yeah that'd be actually really cool so the, uh, the weather effects, or rather the system-wide effects that were in the Triglavian invasion were significantly different than in, uh, the inv- uh, incursions. And as Fonsui just alluded to, it was drone damage, drones hit points, hull hit points, and, and, and speed of the ship, I believe, were the four things. But what I noted was we, I was in Galente space, and it was very much a Galente, like anti-Galente weather. So I'm still wondering whether or not the different... High Sec areas, I, uh, whether or not the higher uh, the new High Sec areas or like each High Sec area will have different effects. So far, we haven't seen that evidence in, in HoboLeaks, but it does seem to possibly play out. The other thing is that um, the most important thing is that the ships themselves are going to have the same rough names as the ships in the Abyss. So they're going to be renewing and starving and ghosting. And it, so they're bringing all that E-War with them. Um, so it's pretty much going to be a lot like the Abyss tile encounters, but in, um, in Tranquil or like on in known space, basically. So as you well, mentioned,
4: Ash, uh, the invasions and incursions can happen at the same time in the same place. And we know that they are not friends. I am very interested to see if the, if those two uh, pieces of content will interact with each other without yeah. us being involved. Or we could choose to take out one and leave the other up. You know, game it this way or game it that way. It's possible they won't interact at all. But again, we don't know.
0: Well, let me do a quick interruption. This is not something we usually do, but we're just getting hammered with donations. Uh, So I want to thank everybody that's, uh, and it's generous donations. They're not subscribing for themselves. They're uh, just subscribing for other people. And it's amazing to see that it's really just showering. (laughs) It's not usual for this show. Super appreciate it. Let me call out some names here. Um, Shiro Apollo 428-428. Uh, Midnight Space Monkey. Uh, we got a follow from CCP Signal. Uh, uh, Midnight Space Cowboy again. Uh, Shiro Hoffman.
3: Oh, yeah. Space Monkey. Uh, well, really, really, really. Zylox, uh like really set this off. Xylex. Like he's an absolute <laughs> legend. But, you know, Xylex, Apollo, Hoffman, Midnight Space Monkey. You guys are legends. Thank you. Sorry
0: to gush. But, man, that's really nice to see you guys uh, sharing the channel like that. Well, at this point, I should also say we have a Patreon uh, that's uh, uh, Patreon slash Mattaral. Check that out for Talking In Stations as well. And always check out our stuff at TalkingInStations.com where you get access to all the old uh, channels. So might as well put all that in there. Thank you guys for the donation. Super generous. I don't even know what to do with it. I'm so busy typing. Um, let's get back to Triglavians and this next expansion. Another part of this expansion that's interesting to me is that it's essentially it's a new race now, right? Because they have um a new industrial path a new skills for industry new data cores new components to build tech two stuff with it really feels like they're breaking off uh, triglavian or precursor stuff into its own race more or less as far as industry is concerned
5: yes it has its own proper um not only it's not only is it getting more of a fleshed out ship line but you're right the actual process of building and collecting these ships are becoming more fleshed out like a normal race. One of the things I do like is that because now we have four tech two ships, each one of the tech two ships is actually associated with one of the main races. And you can see that race's like influence on the original Triglavian tech one designs on each of the ships.
0: So that will be interesting. Um, and also new mutagens. So you will see stuff for damage control units, which I, I think should be popular assault damage control units uh ancillary shield boosters and oh my god you guys are killing me with all the donations <laughs>
4: thank you tiebreak. uh
0: ancillary shield boosters uh, and ancillary, ancillary armor repairs uh what do you guys have on uh, so those interestingly
4: enough the ancillary shield booster and ancillary armor repair uh, uh have made two appearances previously Uh, The more more recent one was the the Abyss event uh, in the middle of last year, shortly after the release. They were given as a reward for the event, uh, not by drops, and they were limited, and no one ever said they were going to be back again. So they've actually been selling quite high, and those prices are going to drop now since they're becoming permanent items. And uh, those items themselves, the Ancillary Mutoplasmids, actually had a different name uh, at the very beginning, I'm not sure they were ever released. I know they existed on CC. I'm not sure they made it in, onto Tranquility, but they were uh, they were created and removed, and they had a different name. I forgot what they were called, but they were not unstable, they were not gravid, and they were not decayed. But these have been, uh, the ancillary mutoplasmids have been on CCP's list since before Abyss came out, and only now are they finally making it permanent. So that's actually very exciting.
1: Uh, anyone else on the new mutagens? Man, I'm going to roll so many broken things. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, I've got this giant container that's full of things that I brick, Uh, And I might need a second container because it's just fun to do, right? Like, uh, you, just, you just roll the dice, see what happens. Sometimes you get uh, an OP mod, sometimes you don't. And I really like the idea of doing it for the ASBs and the uh, and silly Armor repairs because there aren't, like, there aren't swagged out versions of those yet. And that's, uh, that's kind of been lacking in the, in the gameplay.
0: Uh real quick, Carneros, can you tell us um because we did this live, uh, you rolled a uh, mutagen. Uh, can you tell us what that process is for people who don't know?
2: Yeah, well, it was, yeah, that was fun. We probably have the video clip somewhere too. You you just basically you, there's a window you that comes up and you drag your mutagen in and you drag your uh initial starting object in. You can only do it once. You can't reverse it. You, it, it's you live with what you live with and you press a button and it chugs for a second and you get a little excitement and and then it comes back in surprise here are your new statistics uh and they may be good and they might be bad they're not likely to be great you know they're likely to be some mixture of good and bad uh, but I, I hate to
4: be i hate to be pedantic but we, <laughs> mut- but we should call them mutoplasmids because that's what they are. i oh. uh, second and secondly, a different game. <laughs> yeah, and, and secondly, uh, as you described, it's, it may be good, it may be bad, but um, that's the reason why I, I do all of my rolls only one way. Uh, no fewer than 10 at a time, and I cover the screen and keep clicking until they're all gone. And then I look at the results <laughs> afterward. <laughs>
1: Oh no, what you gotta do, and this is the proper way to do it, the the proper endorsed uh, way is you do it, and then you see, like, the because it goes uh, stat by stat. So it doesn't show all at once if you've never rolled a mod. It just shows the first uh, stat, the second stat, the third stat. So you can see, like, green, green, and you're like, oh my God, it's gonna be good. And then it goes red, and then you have to just throw it away.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for anyone who's unfamiliar, uh, the three levels of the three qualities are decayed, gravid, and unstable. Um, decayed is, uh, is the worst, unstable is the strongest, and they have similar properties in that they have a greater chance of uh, damaging an individual's stat than helping it. Uh, the unstable has a wider range, and the gravid mutoplasmid is more balanced and more likely, or rather less likely, to create a brick. But obviously, has a, a lower top end. Hey, so basically, just get unstables forever and live live on it. Es- essentially, if you want, if you want that awesome, if you want that god mod, if that's what you want, if you're going for something awesome, there's only one way to get it, and it's to use you know Dead Space faction module and an unstable mutiplasm.
3: Yeah, the uh, the interesting thing about uh, the is and the way that it kind of works, like we 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 talked about this with uh, I think it was Manborn and uh, CCP Burger, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When they were talking about it and it was like they, uh, when they just had the stats appear, like it, was, it didn't seem as though that was uh, that like exciting. But when they uh, when they trialed it with like the, uh, you know, the, the the red and the green kind of like slowly going up and down, like it, it seemed as though it was like a, a lot more exciting for people, which is kind of an interesting, interesting thing.
0: Yeah. So that's the executive producers of EVE Online. They were talking about the development of plasmids mutagens sorry is from a different game um can anybody guess where mutagens is from i'm just curious the Witcher, come on yeah yeah i was leaving that for the audience but you got it too quick all right yeah just on it all right so uh check out the new mutiplasmids but here's the big news right you have t2 hulls for these ships which is why i'm still i'm now considering them more of like a racial line of ships uh so these T-2 uh, hulls are going to be the Assault Frigate, the Command Destroyer, and the Hack, uh, the Heavy Assault Cruiser. the,
1: the Lodgy as well, which we already have,
0: the Zarmat. Right, and, and the T-2 Lodgy already exists. Can you guys talk about these ships,
5: maybe starting with the Assault Frig? Uh, Ash, you have anything, or should I go for it? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, just to pitch it again, I go through all of this stuff in my one-hour breakdown, but real quick. Yep. Uh, both these both the assault frigate and the assault, uh, uh, cruiser kind of have the same philosophy, which is that they take all of the advantages of the previous tech one version. They slap on tech Two resists, they give it an ADC and then they also make it so the ramp up can go twice as high as a normal ramp up. This doesn't actually or almost twice as high. So this doesn't make it, um, so that it ramps up faster. So it'll take two or three minutes before it can ramp up fully. But we're talking about a cruiser that can do 2K DPS. So um, this also combines with the fact that the Tech 1 frigate lost its range bonus, which actually got moved over to the Assault assault Frigate version, but did get a 4% resistance per level. So both of the frigates are going to be more tanky. Uh, The Assault Frigate is gaining the ADC and normal Tech 2 resists and is going to be able to shoot that further distance in order to be able to ramp just stupid high. And as an no, assault actually, frigate, they also get sorry. No, no, please go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Oh no, I was just going to say, uh, um, and as as well as you know, being an assault frigate, it gets a reduction in radius penalty for my quad rides as well. So,
4: yeah, I think so That's that we'll the crazy. Uh, I think that will make the assault frigate a very, very excellent choice for uh, fleet abyss. Um, and I uh, I asked and received an answer, which is I, I love the fact that you know the CCP devs are so involved in the community. Um, I asked and received an answer as far as why it was chosen that the bonus is a higher ramp, which will, by the way, take longer time to get to the ramp speed is the same and the ceiling is now higher. Uh, and I asked and received an answer and the answer was if we, if we made the ramp faster instead of making the ceiling higher, that would cause these ships to become more generic and we want them to be unique and have a unique role. Uh, the level of thought that goes into that is, I mean, that's, that's really amazing that, you know, they care that much and they're considering these things and maybe a lot of people wanted that ramp to be faster considering that, you know, the damovix issue and the reason why it doesn't see a lot of use is because of the ramp speed on a small weapon. Uh, but they're, they're really care and they're really trying and there are justifications for these design decisions.
0: Okay. Uh, a little quicker now, the Dragoor is the Command Destroyer.
5: Yeah, so the Command Destroyer is just going to be disgusting because basically take everything you've ever loved about the Kiki and then add um, jump drive and skirmish links. Yeah, and they said that, that, uh, I think
3: they said that, uh, that it is also the only uh, Command Destroyer that can fit... Uh, that can what? You cut off. That can fit what? It can fit like particular two types of... Uh, um, skirmish info. Skirmish and info. Yeah, that's the one.
5: No, every race has um, two types that they can pull from. Although I think, yeah. if I remember correctly. It's, so just, it's just a, a different pair. Not a combination that exists otherwise. I think. So I think yeah, armor, cool. armor, and skirmish, yeah. and shield, and info normally so you don't get the option
2: of choosing better. a faction mind link implant and bonusing both you're always going to have to choose to either bonus the skirmish side
5: or bonus the info side that's the only well that, that isn't going to matter though because you can only bring one uh burst charger anyway. so you're not bringing or well under normal conditions you're only going to bring one burst charger anyway. so it doesn't you're going to pick which one of the two that you're going with um but yeah it is a good
0: Okay, uh, let's move on then to the hack, the heavy assault cruiser. Hey,
5: this this is an exciting a, one.
1: It does have a proper name, but I'm just going to call it the Vet Hack. I, I think that's the name that I'm going to choose. It's <laughs> oh,
5: the he, name.
4: I gotta say, like people, people act like these names are difficult, but you know, Ikitursa oh. is not that bad. And frankly, the, my biggest issue with the Ikiterza is that people are going to be calling things Iki and Kiki, and that's going to get confusing.
5: My problem is, is that I can only make so many Monty Python references before people get really, really annoyed at me. <laughs>
2: um, I want to see CCP Karkur do another video where she pronounces all of these. because I, I want to know CCP go, would CCP really it. cool. Yeah,
4: uh, the, the Ikitursa is very, very interesting because it actually will be outperforming Leshaks in terms of top end damage. Uh, and you know, we know less hacks are used for structure bashes. And I think that we're going to start seeing cruisers used for that, except in situations where a battleship tank is required.
0: Um, Elise, what are hacks usually known for? Cause I, I think it's one of this, it's one of the staples of PVP, at least large fleet stuff. But can you tell us a little bit about the history of hacks and stuff like that?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, if we want to go in the way, way back machine, uh, everyone was basically flying battleships, uh, remote repair battleships and stuff like that. Uh, and then some Russian guys came up with the idea of, hey, you know, instead of tanking with armor and resists, we can tank with signature because there are these ships called Hacks that are really small. and can throw an afterburner on them and then the big battleship weapons don't actually hit you anymore. Uh, and then that took over as a, a staple of EVE PvP for felt like half a decade, right? And then people finally figured out that, oh, you can use webs and paints, oh, jeez. Um, but then they the kind of fell out of favor because these, these other more uh, tanky battleships with longer ranges, uh, bigger engagement envelopes became like the thing that everyone wanted, and that kind of fell off. Um, but now after the addition of the um, ADC, which increases your uh, tank or Like a really adds a bit of a skill cap for using them, it makes you very, very tanky for a short amount of time. Tell us what um, the ADC is, please. It essentially boosts your resists up for a, a short amount of time with a really long cooldown between it, right? So you,
4: for, you push your assault
3: shot, yeah, for, for, for only for assault, assault damage yeah.
1: control.
4: Well, it, it all it also gives you passive uh resistance at all times, and and it goes in the low slot, which is. Very unique because you can get shield resists in your low slot if you put any DCU in there. Yeah, so it makes you super tanky when you you push this button,
1: right? So you're getting shot or you're about to get shot, you push the button, you don't necessarily explode. uh, And then you can either run away or it just buys you some more time. So that kind of made uh, these ships a little bit more viable in PvP. Uh, The ones with the longer ranges, people use Zealots occasionally, um, Eagles, uh, Mutants, probably the most common... But eagles are also used quite a lot. Uh, th- these things with really long engagement envelopes. Uh, then you've got ships like the Ishtar, which is occasionally used. Um, people like Asher really like uh, the Ishtar. Uh, he's always liked the Ishtar, but he likes it even more now that it's got the ADC. And there you go. So you get a really good, uh, really good skirmish doctrine out of it. There are some ships where it doesn't really work too well. Um, the Demos doesn't work for fleet combat, but it never really did. Uh, so people generally use that more for for solo stuff because it already has a super good tank to begin with, and then you give this this short second of invulnerability as well. Uh, so the ADC, the assault damage control, really brought armor hacks back into the meta, uh, at least a little bit. They're not dominant; they're not overwhelmingly dominant, but they are quite strong. And uh, uh, shoving this on a bed hack uh, with its you know agility that that already is there, its nimbleness. And it's just the amount of damage. It's going to be insane. A a lot of wormhole groups, I suspect, will be using this uh, to kill uh, like Roracles and thanatoses and and Riding Hells and stuff like that. And it's also going to be probably a little bit broken in the Abyssal PvP rooms because there's I don't think there's a single other ship that can contend with it.
0: Now, the reason I asked you to explain that, I used to hear A hack a lot and I kept looking up A hack, A hack. I can't find that ship. I can't find that even class of ship for a long time. <laughs> so that's why I need to, uh, uh, you to explain it for people who might be lost but don't know what hacks are. And I'm, I'm glad you explained that. Real quick, though, what's the difference between uh, historically the difference between A hacks or armor hacks and shield hacks?
1: Uh, so for the it's kind of just a little bit of how the meta works. Uh, shield hacks were essentially just uh, hyper sniper fit ships that, that were just completely glass cannons. You wouldn't brawl at all. You'd sit at like 100, 150 kilometers, pick off some guys. Uh, and then when they started shooting you back or got within range, you'd run away. Um, so that was one use of them. That was essentially the first use of them. Uh, and then when people realized that, Hey, we can make these have a small signature and signature, signature tank with them, uh, then that's when people started tanking them up, uh, shoving an afterburner on them and brawling them. All right, way, back to
0: you. Uh, this new hack, the Ikatursa. I said that right, right? Indeed. McLeod, in your face, McLeod. <laughs> 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 Making fun of the way I say things all the time.
4: Uh, tell, this us the- tell us this about the... Tell us about the Ikatursa. Just as Ashtarathi said, is going to be very, very powerful in the Abyssal Proving Grounds. Uh, this, this thing is going to dominate. Uh, it's not going to be cheap. People are going to fit it with bling. They're going to fit it with Abyss Rolled bling. Uh, and they're going to lose them. And it's going to be expensive. But on the whole, flown correctly and fit correctly, these things are going to be the pinnacle. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind. It's been a little
1: bit since I've done the, the Proving Grounds. But the last time I did, there was kind of like a meta going around where... Uh, it was a bit of rock, paper, scissors. You would either have uh, a vedmak, uh, an eagle, like just a pacifist eagle, and a, um, a curse or a pilgrim or something like that. And they all kind of would beat each other up, uh, and they'd all essentially feast on healers that took the gate trying to make a quick buck. Uh, what's,
4: what's the meta like now in the Abyssal Proving Grounds? You're going to find a lot of um, vagabonds. You're going to find a lot of orthrus uh, you're going to see a lot of VEDMAC. Those are three of the very common ships you can see. There's actually, um, maybe you can pull it up on screen. There's, I think it's abyssaldata.com that actually tracks. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the kill board. You can see what people are really flying in there. Uh, some people are flying Cerberus. Uh, some people are mistakenly flying Helas, which is, I think, unwise. Yeah, so there's there's on screen, there's the Abyssal leaderboard. So you can click on each of those individuals and you can see you know, what they've been flying and what they've been killing. Yeah, Sniper Bro is uh, a guy that's kind of uh, definitely always been
1: been dominating. And I know he was uh, really big into using the Curse for, for quite some time. Curse um, is very common. And, you know, the the Curse, especially in, in the Abyssal Proving Grants, has this super high skill cap. And I, I'm not sure if it was him or it was someone else I was saying the uh, the vet hack is going to kind of break that meta a little bit because it can fit a battery and an injector or even two batteries and an injector and
4: kind of just be immune. mutant. Uh, yeah. And that's going to still, it's still going to be pricey. So you're going to only see that with the players that are really investing and really rather quite serious about this.
0: Well, those ships are going to be rare, but brutal. And you know what? Let me just, re-emphasize something that CCP has done historically. They let ships come out and have their time in the sun. So if you can adapt fast and get into these ships and, and fly them and become effective with them, you're going to have a few months of dominating other players. Uh, they just don't, they don't correct these kinds of ships for a few months. So there's definitely some time to figure them out and, uh, and whoop some tush.
4: Uh, an interesting note regarding the uh, the Assault Damage Control Mutoplasmids, one of the stats that rolls is the activation duration which is extremely overpowered since that is the primary function of that module and it can be, let me take a quick look yeah, plus or minus 20% Whoa. so when you take a 16 second Shadow Serpentis Assault Damage Control and then you add 20% on that, that's Incredibly powerful.
0: Uh, real quick question from the audience: What about power creep? All this new T2 ship—it's uh, just more power creep. Any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, it is in a way, but I, I also don't think they scale as well. Uh, like, you're not going to see Goonswarm take out or the Imperium take out like a, a, a Icatirsa fleet, right? Like, you're not going to see PL or NC take. Well, actually, probably will, but um, you're not going to see this as like mainline doctrines, right? They're more uh, skirmishes, medium to like i guess extra medium style uh they're really really good at fitting that role of, of hunting they're not necessarily good for uh trading blows type thing it's it's not really where their niche is at least not yet so i don't think it's gonna push the power creep too far but i do think it's gonna make hunting uh, a lot easier especially with the the cruiser right because right now uh there are two ways that people use these ships mostly uh, i'd say like 70 percent of the uses um Go with people flying kikis uh, to hunt in NullSec and mostly just NullSec. Get, get people that are, aren't paying attention. And then people taking uh, the Dracovics to hunt but bigger game. So that's, that's essentially the, the main use for them right now. Um, a lot of people also use uh, the Leshax to just AFK grind, <laughs> which is not too fancy, but it's a good way to do things. So let,
0: let's actually squeeze in some balance changes that are coming to the Tr- Triglavian ships, uh, the Damovic, the Kikamura, the uh, yeah. the ammunition that they use. Um, that's also in the patch notes. They're doing some rebalancing on these ships, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they're kind yeah. of fixing the Damovic up a little bit because uh, they, they changed it. I think they changed it like four patches in a row, trying to find exactly what they want for the, the ship. And it's always been lacking in, in some ways. Uh, I've tried to make it work personally because I just love the way it looks and they have the fancy skin for it. So it's like, oh, I'm going to fly this ship. I put like 200 uh, or like I put like five bill into it, rolling it in. It just died. <laughs> it just <laughs> died. <It's> some <laughs> shitty comet or something. And it wasn't even <laughs> me being bad. It was just like the ship being a piece of hot garbage uh, the way I was flying it. Uh, but they're, they're kind of giving it a boost of power grid, which it needed. It desperately needed. Um, and they're swapping the range bonus of the gun, which wasn't used too much, to an armor resist bonus, which makes a little bit more tanky, gives it more of a, an active rep feel. So if you're doing a free 1v1, you can actually last while your gun ramps up to do more damage. So oh, the so layout is three three three, so it's uh, a little bit weak on an armor tank without that uh, armor resist bonus. That armor resist bonus just gives you uh, a functional extra low slot without having to, to pay for it with Power Grid. So, and you only have, you only need one gun for it, right? Because that's all it does. So you can maybe have some NOS in there, maybe some newts, uh, maybe just survive a little bit longer to, to
5: ramp up, which is nice. One thing that stood out to me about all of that when going through the patch notes was the fact that all of the small weapons used to have a range bonus, which, which yeah. ultimately makes a range bonus useless.
0: Yeah. Uh, let, also, I wanted to point out okay. something before ash comes back i wanted to point out something really interesting and, and that is for people that don't understand these ships yet they usually have just one weapon and it does more damage over time so you need to live longer for you to get the full effect of your weaponry which was what the point that Elise made with uh, making it a little more tanky lets the the weapon work better
4: right
5: uh, my, if you mind is, isn't
0: oh
4: sorry ash please go ahead
5: yeah Sorry. uh, My point was, is that with both the frigate and the destroyer having a range bonus, it actually made the range, the destroyer's range bonus less important, because if everything has a range bonus, then nothing has a range bonus. So now the T1 frigate has no range bonus. The assault frigate has a small range bonus, and then the destroyer has the big range bonus. So you now have three different range profiles for the same weapon system.
4: That's right. Yeah, I, I was just going to describe the the disintegrator mechanic uh, since mm-hmm. you mentioned that people might not uh, quite understand it. So, as you said, it ramps up. Each, uh, each time the weapon cycles, it gains a little bit of damage until it hits the cap. Uh, that full cap takes quite some time to get to, a couple of minutes, and in the case of the new Tech 2 ships, uh, since the, the, the rate at which it spools up has not been changed, it takes even longer to hit the cap. Uh, These weapons can miss, even though they have excellent tracking. You can still get poor hits or misses. That does not reset your ramp. But what does is an enemy going out of range. These weapons have only optimal range. Their falloff range is zero. So if an enemy outranges you, then the weapon will disengage and your ramp will reset. So while the the top end damage is absolutely ridiculous, it is very difficult to get there. And it, is, it requires skill to maintain, you know, maintain that range that entire time. If you get tackled off of somebody, then you just lost that entire ramp. You just lost four minutes of work.
1: Yeah, the, one of the, the biggest counters, or two of the biggest counters, I guess, um, are newts, which a lot of people like to do when it's kind of uh, small 1v1s and stuff. Oh, or tracking disruptors. Max, max tracking disruptors just make your life miserable. Uh, because the, the ship would then have to be on top of you. That's why they're, they're really good... And where they excel is to have small groups of people um, just destroying these capital ships, right? So you could have you literally, I just have like a wolf packs of seven, uh, seven or seven to ten uh, of the kikimoras, and you can just take down a Thanatos uh, with a little bit of luck catching one, obviously. But you can definitely just own it, and that's what these things are really great at. And uh, <laughs> you can see from this graph how much damage these ships can do if you get it to ramp up for a certain amount of time. So imagine you have these vet hacks and you just grab like a ratting titan or just a a ratting super. This thing can die before people can kind of respond in in
4: a lot of cases. Yeah, it's important to note that these these ships primary usage is PvP. These are not very good for PvE uh, unless it's for a structure bash for I guess a fob bash you can ring a Leshak or something like that. But really, uh, especially in Abyss, when you have 20 minutes to get in and get out, you, know, you have 6 minutes and 40 seconds per room in the, at the maximum. So if you're waiting for a full spool in one of these rooms, you're never going to see it. No rat's going to live that long. You're simply not going to get the benefit of these when you're bringing them to a Tier 5 Abyss site. Uh, I, I am hoping that uh, Nurgle will, uh, will be more usable.
1: Yeah, it is actually really fun and slightly challenging if you try and do the, the co-op Abyss sites. Uh, with like uh, with Damavix. uh because they do have a, the remote rep on it, so you can actually like spider tank to survive. But you're absolutely right; the the damage output does, uh, a bit lacking. So maybe right. the, the little Nurgle will do it a little bit better.
0: Well, we'll report yeah. back after after the expansion goes out. We'll we'll keep on top of this with these new ships coming in and see how they're changing the landscape. Uh, next, we want to talk about it's a little more on the balance. Uh, this is not. Uh, Triglavian related to Triglavian um, They're changing ammunition, and they announced this uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, what's going on with ammunition? Oh,
4: so yeah, the a like new cool. ammunition change.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. At least yeah. uh, you want to take this. Oh yeah. So basically, like right now, if you have a faction gun, uh, like a faction, like a big blaster or something, you can't really use, can't really use it, even though it's like way better and it's like cool. Like if you get an officer and you get a core max uh and like neutron blaster you're like oh sweet i got this super gun oh wait it sucks on everything because i can't use null or void uh so right now they're, they're just going to change that to hey if you've got a faction officer storyline uh, thing, just shove the t2 ammo in it we know the t2 ammo is great instead of just balancing all the ammo like all over we're just gonna let you use it it's the way it works in um capital ships with capital guns because that was like a huge huge thing like why would i use these faction guns If i can't use scorch like uh, like <laughs> so, yeah. uh so they're just they just say eh, screw it if you have a, a cool gun you can use the the t2 ammo makes it way better so maybe you actually have some fun using your your shiny expensive guns
0: does this change uh, go ahead fancy but the, the second question follow-up is does it change the landscape for anything in particular but fancy you go, go first
4: uh this will not uh this will not it's not simply blame in other words, this is not simply better than Tech 2, as many other things are. So Dead Space modules are better than Tech 2 modules pretty much across the board. Uh, in this case, the way that the, uh, your skills and the, and the bonuses interact uh, will make it still situational. Um, f- uh, first and foremost, Tech 2 weapons are still going to be the economical choice for maximum damage. Um, secondly, it is only in the case of launchers and not turrets, where the uh, storyline, faction, and officer weapons are across the board, hands down, better than Tech 2 in every single imaginable way. Uh, the guns of all sorts, all of the guns, have pluses and minuses and ups and downs. Uh, all of the, the storyline and, um, and faction and, and uh, officer weapons have better fitting characteristics, They have certain other characteristics that are going to be better than the Tech 2 and certain that are going to be worse. Uh, In addition, the Tech 2 ammo still requires the specialization skill level 1 to unlock, although uh, that specialization skill is purely unlock if you're not using a Tech 2 gun because it is the Tech 2 gun that benefits from the specialization skill rate of fire or uh, damage increase. So you're not going to see those uh, that skill come into play giving you that extra 10% damage uh either through rate of fire or raw damage itself when you're using the storyline faction or officer weapons uh and by the way it is it's storyline those are the three it's the storyline faction and officer beginning at meta 5 are going to receive the ability to use the tech 2 ammo
1: and uh, one one big winner here probably the biggest winner here um obviously people that want to like perp out their ships win but uh, the Triglavian ships actually are the biggest winner because the Tech 2 guns are prohibitively expensive. In the case of a Damovic, the Tech 2 Entropic uh, Disintegrator, which is the, the gun it uses, is as expensive as the hull. Whereby you can actually get the Faction 1 uh, because the Faction 1 drops from the Abyss pre-made already. Not anymore. Oh, well, they used to. So now, no, they're, like, now they're going cheap. to
4: acquire blueprints the, the blueprint copies will drop. And the production of the faction or officer weapon will require the, I'm sorry, the faction weapon will require the Tech 2 module as a component.
1: Oh, well, that's good. But right now, if you want to have a bunch of faction mods that you have sitting, like self, maybe, um, like it's a, it's a pretty good thing to, to have the, the cheaper weapons. Also using the Tech 2
4: ammo, because the Tech 2 ammo was a really big boot bonus for the, uh, the Triplavian ships. A really good point was made in chat. Ron USMC mentioned that Tech 2 guns require lots and lots of pace to repair. And in addition, on the same note, they are worse with heat damage. They, uh, they tick higher. Good to know.
0: Okay, so uh, there's also electronic warfare drones. I'm going to leave that for Astrothi's uh, detailed stuff, but check that out. Um, so let's get to the other uh, actual features that are coming out in this expansion. There is an agency redesign. And uh, did you have some comments on that, Ash? Or uh, Carneros?
2: My comment is, how many of us here in the chat have never even looked at the agency finder thing anyways? <laughs>
5: well, the new, <laughs> yeah. no, the new the agency, agency is incredible. The new agency has a lot of information that used to be very difficult to collect together and will be very good. So it has the new agent finder. It has uh, new ways of finding faction warfare plexes. The PI interface is incredible. So I think that it's going to be a good thing. Um, but honestly, it's one of those things that you're going to, ha- you should just go and play with it, either on Sissy or when it gets in tranquility. It's, uh, it's a pretty good interface. There's a bit um, of
3: uh, controversy uh, regarding the agency redesign, though. Um, yes. there, was,
4: there was a scare, actually. <laughs> there was a scare regarding Abyss and the agency because when they uh, on Singularity, when they first implemented the new agency window, they used old art and the old art warned us about the suspect flag for tier four and tier five. Uh, this old art has since been removed and is no longer in the singularity agency. This is the curse of well,
3: placeholder art. But I, w- I was thinking more along the lines of the, uh, the whole exploration, uh, you know, sort of uh, aspect of it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, the new agency thing. Like people have been kind of bummed about it because they they said, "Oh, it's taking the 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 mystique out of exploring because you can see you know more sites without having to actually go there." Uh, if you're ratting, you can look in your thing, and if a signature pops up, you can say, "Oh, that's probably a a wormhole, so let's go scout it and close it, or let's just make sure we don't all die." Stuff like that. So a the, the, the little bit of people are a little bit uh, miffed about it. They they made their opinions known when they first came to cc and the developers are just like yeah we we hear these uh we hear what you're gonna say but you know let's try it out see what happens and uh another thing people don't like a a little bit of the agent finder because it does remove a little bit of functionality when it comes to looking for um uh pro or not probing agents locator agents it makes a little bit harder to find those guys but uh Overall, uh, it is harder? a big upgrade,
5: too. Yeah, it makes the, the agency window, at least
1: when they made it harder a for me to find box
5: locator There's a giant box for it, isn't it? Like, it should be easier to find those kinds of agents now.
1: I uh, mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'll take a look at it again. Maybe they, they changed a little bit, but they uh, had removed, from when I had tried it, they had removed a little bit of functionality. Uh, the agent finder right now, you can just click. It's really easy to find locators, uh, no matter where you are. And they, the agency, it was a little bit harder for me. But maybe I'm wrong.
5: Well, there's so also then, there's been two iterations of the new agency on Sissy since it's shown up on Sissy, so it's possible that you actually tried the old new one. Oh, nice! The old new, and then the new new, like the like new new. Well,
0: the noisy gamer explains it's only twelve agents that you could see Max, uh, and he wasn't uh, too impressed with it. But uh, it's worth checking out. I think everything going into the agent agency window is. A good thing, because when new players come into the game or seasoned MMO players that are transitioning into EVE Online or looking for things to do, you want that to be in one place as opposed to just trying to figure out where there are things to do. One glaring exception, yes. What's the glaring exception? Changes. Say that again? Couldn't hear the it. The signature
5: changes. Okay. Uh, and did we just discuss those now or have those come up? I think danced around it, but... Okay. Uh, and I go into detail, or I think a little bit more detail in my breakdown, but, um, the, the rough hand of, of it is, is that right now you can only see the signatures in your own system and you have to scan them down to know what they are. In the new system, you're going to be able to see signatures basically anywhere in New Eden, just like faction warfare complexes and everything else like that. The reason why this is a big deal is because explorer exploration is considered to be going into the unknown. And so the act of like bumbling around blindly is, is considered to be an integral part of exploration for a lot of explorers and therefore being able to like, going to null and then opening up and seeing where all of the signatures are in the local area removes a a fair chunk of the discovery or exploration aspect of it. So a lot of people are upset.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. We'll leave a lot of that detail uh, for your show and uh, we'll move on here to the next thing, which is really big. I I just can't even express how big this is. We did save it for later in the show. We won't go into it long because we're going to talk about this long into the future. The 64 bit client option is here. It's here in its early form Yay. as an open day. Yeah.
2: Now it's not going to work perfectly. We know this. It's going to have bugs. There's going to be some moment when you're going to pull your hair out, or if you don't have any hair, you pull your hat off. But there's, there's going to but it also will be a huge godsend on, on occasion. You know, especially if you've got a system with a lot of memory on it, so you you're resistant to memory leaks. you you're, you're going to be uh, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't wait. I'm going to jump in immediately. Absolutely.
1: No, and am Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, for those that haven't tried it on the test server or anything like that, it actually is a massive noticeable change in the performance in like these larger, even uh, medium to, to large fights, not even extra large, right? So even in the 100 to 150 people fights, it is noticeably better uh, in every aspect of it. I was, I think there were like 400 people shooting a Keepstar and I had Everything on high effects, full everything, and it was working without breaking, right? Uh, previously, we'd have to go into what Eve is like the potato mode for everything, right? Yeah. So, where you just I mean, turn all the settings all the way down and your ship looks like a potato. Uh, but now, after this, yeah. uh, if you do have the RAM and the ability to use it, uh, it'll work really, really well. Obviously, if you're running five or six clients, probably don't want to do it on all of them.
5: But there's actually a second uh, I believe This is it's also linked. linked. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say there's a second increase in performance that a lot of people are not talking about that I actually think is going to be bigger, which is that they fixed something involving the level of detail for medium and far zooming areas. From my understanding, it, it read like something about decals or something like that. But basically, as you zoom out, it it loads lower quality assets called level of detail. Um, But if that's not happening as efficiently as it could, that would mean that when you're fully zoomed out and there's a lot of things to process, your GPU is having to process a lot more than it needs to. So with this fix, that's going to help anyone who plays with your with your thing zoomed out and lots of things going around. You're going to see a performance increase on your GPU for this alone.
4: And this is going to be linked as well to uh, the integration of DirectX 12 technology, which will grant us performance increases as well as graphics quality increases and will allow the art team to begin building art that is designed for DirectX 12.
0: So the grand takeaway is that you're going to, you're going to be able to see Eve online with the high graphics in tense situations where a lot of things are happening. And the best example we've seen of this, because McLeod and Ron H, uh, Ron USMC as part of TIS did, uh, we did both tests and we streamed those live uh, and it was amazing the detail and the, proximity of the camera right up against those ships right up against those cannons as they're firing from one dreadnought to a titan uh, it really puts eve online in a different perspective for people who are going to be watching this happen live even in these big big fights that's going to be a game changer for i think for people watching the game as it happens
1: yeah it is incredibly significant it's not just like the oh it's a little tweaky thing that might break no, oh, it's a it's a big significant uh, change, and someone had asked, "Is is this uh, going to break my uh, CPU like Incarnate did when it first came <laughs> yeah. out?" Uh, I, I I mean I've tested it uh, two times. I can't say for certain it's not going to break stuff, but I'm pretty sure uh, it's in a really good spot. At the first time I tested it, it used. <laughs> I had one client running 16 gigs uh, of of RAM, uh, which obviously they didn't really like, so they they put a hard cap on it. I don't remember what it is. ccb antiquarian. Uh, tweeted about it and i think he mentioned it on eve pulse as well that they put a hard cap in how much it can use so it's not going to eat every every inch of ram that you have you don't have to download more ram don't worry um, but it does make a significant like we aren't like trying to uh, overstate it it does make a significant change uh, in how pretty eve looks and and how how much of it you can see uh during these these big fleet fights with these big graphics going around yeah, I'm very hopeful that uh, you
0: can see some of the graphics. Those are live graphics, live combat. It is a test server, so then it's counted. But you can just see what's out there. And, uh, you know, you're running max graphics with explosions, with effects, and you're able to zoom the camera in and out. It's just a completely different visualization of what people are used to when a big battle happens in EVE Online. And personally, I'm ex- extremely excited about that. But they didn't roll
2: it out as part of the expansion. Uh, instead, they rolled it out as a, 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 an opt-in beta as part of the, uh, alongside the expansion. And that should be noted, that they feel like it does require additional testing or there are some issues that, that need to be sorted still.
5: Well, I wanted to zero in on that specifically, because let's, rep- let's also look at what The release of the 64 bit client represents they said that when the 64 bit client is released then the 34 the 32 bit client will be deprecated and removed so consider this beta period the opportunity for both of them to be working in tandem with each other so that's in my opinion that's the biggest difference for the beta not that it's going to be necessarily any more buggy than the other side but that they're just giving it a chance because everybody remembers what happens when they just switch the chat system from one to another without letting you go back. So, you know, let's re- let them run in tandem with each other for a little bit. And when the 64-bit client proves itself, then the 32-bit client will be shuttered.
0: Yeah, and I like this point here by NN Quantum. So 64-bit client will make skins worthwhile. And I think that is an interesting point. And I hope it's true. I hope people start really getting into skins because you can finally see them. They'll finally
4: make a difference that's a direct x12 thing as well like they're going to be able to build stuff that takes advantage of it
0: yeah all right let's uh we're over on time already but we're going to go a little long today cuz it is an expansion uh episode so let's talk about another big deal and that is war deck changes this is the the fourth part or part 4 the final part of war deck changes that started a few months ago And uh, this time they're going to have war headquarters are going to pop up. Uh, We'll talk about that. Uh, War cost simplification, 100 million per war, flat fee, Uh, improved mutual wars and war UI improvements. Okay, guys, how big is this like now? Because it seems like war decks kind of fell off the, slowly fell off the uh, radar. Everybody was super hot to make changes to this. And now we're here. This is the completion of those changes. What do
1: we think? It's a definite improvement, I think. Uh, I always have like a really fond memory of where, when they were or the dev blog and when they were explaining it. I think it was also an ePulse video, which is which always good to watch. Um, they had like the, the War Deck formula, the cost for the formula. And it's like a super, super mathy looking formula, right? Like, I don't know how, ever, how else to say it. It looks like hardcore math. And then they just put like an X through it and we're like 100. <laughs> like, that's the new one that we're going to do.
5: Easy. It's just 100. There you go. That's fine. Uh, so not, was only was it super, not only was it super complicated, but it actually benefited bigger alliances. The bigger you were, the more expensive it was to war deck you, which ultimately didn't help. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it did not matter. Who are the winners and losers of this change? So the, 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 the zeroing in on the summary of this is basically this allows the people being attacked by a war an opportunity to have an objective of their own. Right now, if you're under a war deck or if you're being attacked by somebody, really all you can do is hide, run, or nowadays defend your structure. This allows you to at least have a counterattack goal. If I can somehow take down this structure, which I know is in high sec and I've been given the location of, then I can end my war and force them to not be able to war me for at least another two weeks. So this is, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think it's necessarily going to be as moment-to-moment impactful as, say, the December war deck changes but this definitely makes the war deck system into a fully robust uh, system of play and counterplay, isn't it? Isn't
3: it, let
0: me put it in simple terms. If one group decides they want to war another and they pay the hundred million bill, which is not much for certain groups. And it's basically like somebody
5: pushing somebody around until they fight back, isn't it? Well, both sides will have to have a structure in, in in space. So you kind of, you, you know what you're getting into when you anchor something. The, the
2: defenders? Well, no, you have to have someone in space, but you don't have to have a war headquarters.
5: Correct. Yes. So you know what you're getting into when you, when you start anchoring structures, in my opinion. So that's when you're saying, I'm up for this gameplay, basically. Correct. As long as you have no structures as your organization, then you're basically saying, I don't want to be harassed by wars. Okay. But you also don't get any of the benefits that structures have to offer. You don't get to make I your mean, home in
1: space. There are ways around it. Right? I mean, right. the way around it is just have an alt corp <laughs> drop the structure and then just let you, uh, let's give you access I mean, through the access list.
3: But, you know, but the old the alt, uh, corp can get, uh, can get ward decked just as easily
1: yeah, as exactly. it was uh,
3: so, you know, but the, like so the alt corp, counterplay
1: though. The alt corp gets ward decked, but then your members don't <laughs> have to be like, oh, I can't go to Jita ever again. Like, right? Because that's, uh, that's the mentality is right now. If you've ever been in a small corp, and I've, I've snuck like, Little characters in the small corps, Uh, getting war decked um, like uh, eight months ago. It was basically like, well, we can't play this week, so everyone leave this corp and join another corp. And this isn't this isn't hyperbole. This isn't me making making stuff up. Like this is actually what they do, and it's not just this one group. This is what a lot of these like high sec groups do. Like, oh geez, guys, uh, we're war decked, so we're going to move to this corp, and here's what you do. And they have these plans in place. They've been doing it for years. They're like, okay, so we're moving to this corp. It's a similar, it's a similar enough name that you have an identity, but different enough where the guys might not see it. So we're just going to waste our time. And, you know, in two days, you guys can play again. And that's, that's literally just how it goes. And it just, every time that that happens, if a guy that isn't around, he wakes up to a corp that there were 40 people in the last time he was in. Now there's zero people. He's like, uh, what, 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 what do I do? And if there's no one around, that guy just isn't in that corp anymore. And he generally just stops playing. So eventually like these war decks just take a a grind and a toll on these people that have uh small social circles that are prim- primarily in high uh, because like one or two guys leave each time they swap corpse and maybe they swap five or six times. Like uh, if you look, it, it literally kills me too because I'm the type of person uh, that I don't like when my bio has like a lot of fluff in it or my mm-hmm. corpse history has a lot of fluff in it. Yeah. Like I hate that. I absolutely hate it. I will not uh, leave a corp just so I don't get that one line item. Yeah, of, yeah I know it. Like being an NPC corp. And like, if you look at my alt, I've got sixteen entries, and it's been playing for less than a year. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be a huge boost uh, to that type of gameplay, which is really nice to see. I think it's important.
0: what You said about you, you get to keep your same culture. Uh, I think that's a very important thing, Carneros. I cut you off. I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's another winner, and it's, um, uh,
2: and it's CCP, because they get to have an interesting data point now. They get to look at the statistics over the next six months and see what percentage of wars in high sec, what percentage of, of empire wars does someone actually go and attack the headquarters? And what percentage of the time does the headquarters actually get blown up? So they're going to, they're going to get some useful data out of this, uh, over the next few months. And I, uh, I'd like us to hold CCP to reporting on that, uh, data at some point in the future. They,
5: they showed
4: us, you know, they showed us the numbers before all these war deck changes were made. They showed us the engagement numbers and all those things and how no fights really happen and the defenders never get any kills. So we know they're collecting it, uh, We just hope they show us the numbers if they're not what they hope. Well, they're collecting it now. They weren't collecting it 10
2: years ago. (laughs) So this this is it's great that they're looking at it now.
5: Absolutely. I'm excited to see the data. My top question from this change is what's going to happen to Solitude? So Solitude is a high sec chunk of uh, or a chunk of high sec that's completely separated from the rest of high sec. So it's very difficult for a lot of organizations to maybe set up there but it is technically high sec. So I wonder whether or not organizations like pirate will start using it as like a, a launching point in order to kind of protect their structures from harassment or if other people are going to do that, or if people are going to make a job of clearing the, the war structures that happen to be in solitude, it'll be very interesting to see if solitude plays into this whole thing just because of the rules behind the war headquarters.
0: Well, and how have the, uh, the mercenary groups that go around hunting, uh, You know, corporations, how have they reacted to these changes?
5: Uh, Amusingly. (laughs) They don't really know what to do. Like they've been war decking each other. They've been going after other people. They've been merging. I'm I haven't really paid enough attention to have a solid answer, but it looks like all kinds of different stuff is happening among the war deck community. The answer is that the new meta is emerging
4: and will continue to do so for some time.
0: Yeah. Well, we did have uh, someone from Pirates or Pirates, or whatever you, the way you say it. There you go, McLeod. You're proven right again. Um, yes. They um, they were on a show with uh, Talking Stations uh, with Artemis and Ron and Silver uh, a few weeks ago. You can check that out. So they were talking about how they were making adjustments and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, uh, the, the, these changes are interesting. They seem like a good fix. I think a lot of them came out of the community, the players. Uh, a lot of the suggestions that it looks like CCP took, I'd heard before from players. does it seem that
1: way to you guys? Uh, it does seem like that, but it also seems like they had a, a few ideas that were, have been sitting on the drawing board for quite a while, things that they wanted to sh- uh, implement that they didn't necessarily uh, have the ability to at the time. So that, that, should be, that should be interesting. I mean, I think the biggest change, which is something that's, that's already in the game, right, um, is the removal of, of neutral assistance. It's like if you do that, you... It's, like, that, that was just like a huge part of, of how the, the war deck kind of meta had, had twisted on itself, right? So uh, the main use of war deck was groups like Marmite and Pirate. They would just sit... They would just war deck a bunch of people that sit in Jita and just kill people. And these people would, just, there's no counterplay to what they do. If they started to lose they'd tank up or uh, undock neutral logic, rep up, rep up, and then just dock again. So there was a lot of um, just, it, it just struck people as like, well, I, I can't even compete. But now with all these changes, it does seem like sometimes competing will be hard. Maybe, maybe pirate will shove. Uh, all their structures and, and their headquarters in the the solitude pocket. As would was saying, you just hell camp that low sec to get there, and, and it'll still be hard. But it does it does actually make it seem like you can do something now. Before there was a sense of helplessness, like I can't do anything, I'm defeated, uh, and now it does. It, with all these changes, it definitely makes it seem like okay, there's there's a path to be getting out of this mess, right? So I, I'm not necessarily going to just sulk. I can, maybe it's a hard path. Maybe it's a, a path up a hill both ways and I'm not going to be able to achieve it. But at least I do have some semblance of hope.
0: Right. Uh, Ash, did you have anything to add?
5: Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say about the community thing that the Wardek community has really come together in the last year, even before CCP decided to do anything about it. And started doing uh, their own war deck um, panels and stuff like that. And um, there's been a lot of really good organizations. Special thanks to Jintan as a CSM member for for backing it up. And continuing to beat on this drum for over a year. Coming together as a community. Several panels. Lots of discussions. This was a, this was a thing that was highly controversial. Obviously there were people on both sides of the issue that had very staunch opinions about it. So it was a, a tricky thing to sort out. But I think that the community really uh, came up with a lot of solid ideas, and I'm happy that CCP took some of the best ones.
0: Yeah. So um, those are war decks. They're changing. This is the fourth and final chapter in those changes. And then we will see probably at the end of summer sometime what the statistics are and how that has either improved the situation or made new problems. So we'll check that out later on. We're coming to the end here. We have one last change that is a significant change for new players. And a lot of people are very excited about this. And that is the pointer tool. Uh, Who knows what this tool does and can you describe it? This is a really big one.
4: This is uh, I can now point to things on your screen and I don't have to say, Hey, you know, the hamburger menu that's kind of to the left of this one, but a little bit over there and maybe it looks like this, or maybe you've moved it somewhere else. We'll go through that and then click this other thing. And then this other thing I can just point.
0: Yeah, and you, you, how do you get the link to them for them to activate it? Sorry, the, uh, the pointer. I had a spoiler in my own sentence.
4: There's a,
1: so essentially <laughs> there's this little window that has a list of all the pointers that you can have. You just drag and drop into a chat channel or, or anywhere you want to, or an email or anything like that. Um, if you've ever done the, the tutorial in the last four or five years, you've probably seen uh, some things that are very similar to it. Like the, the tutorial would say, hey, click this, and it would put like a, a big circle around it and point to it. Uh, and that's kind of similar to, to what this does. And, and the idea came about, I believe, someone from eVegas, either this most recent eVegas or one before that, had gone to like a pound and said, hey, this would be really, really cool if we could have this. And uh, a team at CCP were like, oh, okay, you, you actually want this? I can, like, we have the ability to do that. Let me, let me do that. And um, I think CCP Carker posted about it a few months ago when it was first in beta to say, hey, guys, this is what we did uh, based on feedback. Is this what you like? And everyone was, everyone, especially in new player organizations, were like, oh,
0: "Holy crap! I don't have <laughs> to like describe
1: what the the NeoCom is, or I don't have to say uh, what these vertical lines are. I can now just link it. You can click it, no matter where you moved it on your screen. Because that was a big problem. People like just move their screen around. Um, I can just click it. You can, I can send it to you. You can click it, and it'll show you where it is. So you kind of, you kind of know what I'm talking about. So it." It does make the learning curve a lot less steep. Uh, It it flattens it out a a bit.
0: One of the things that I think uh, this brings to mind is Seamus, who is from the uh, Eve Uni, right? Eve University group. And he has classes like every Tuesday where he'll take all questions from all players about mechanics. And he is encyclopedic with his memory. And one of the things that's fascinating about him is that he is so exact that he could, with very little effort, direct you to the place you needed to go. Like he's very trained in, in the language of, okay, turn this down this way. Da, da, and he could get you to where you needed to go with such a talent. And I just feel like this is going to help him so much more because he can now just
4: drop a link and say, there, touch that. What's more is that this isn't only a one-on-one or class-based on-the-spot tool you can include these links in a channel message of the day. And it's like, join this channel to learn how to do this thing and click these links and it'll show you. And you don't actually have to have a person sending it to you. They can just be there.
5: Yeah, the other I thing so. I like is that it functions as just a list of everything that there is in the game to interact with. I guarantee you that at least one person will find um, Project Discovery because of this.
1: Also, uh, I think the the one use that I hope happens, and people have been kind of moving about it, in uh in twitch chat i hope someone burns in, uh a spy in nc dot to just link the undock button in a fleet or like the undock pointer in the, in the fleet that would be totally worth like if you had like a three-year deep spy at nc DOT or anything like that i think that'd just be hilarious so so go do that please for the memes it would be good <laughs>
4: yeah I, s- I see what you did there
0: all right um I think that we're coming to the end of the program and uh, we were going to show you some footage of how that works, but you'll be able to see it uh, soon enough. It's coming into the game. It's here. Uh, we didn't know what it was going to drop. Now we do. It's happening just uh, two days from now. So that's going to be great. Um, and yeah, I want to agree with the uh, Sikander Cole that Seamus is amazing. He's one of the most amazing players in this game. Uh, all right. Do you guys have anything else that you can't let go? Something you want to
4: talk about? I just want to thank you all for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. Welcome to the crew. You're now part of Talking in Stations. You're a resident uh, abyssal expert. Uh, Welcome, Fonsui. It's nice to have you here. Uh, I really hope to contribute
4: and bring something to the team.
5: I I will say that if you have been wanting to or interested or not even or whatever, thinking about the abyss, uh, but have been too intimidated by looking at bits or figuring things out, Fonsui is the person to go to. He's got tons of great ideas and he's got all kinds of fits for all kinds of situations. And he's more than willing to break down a a brand new fit just to fit your crazy idea. Trust me. I know.
0: Uh, We also invite you guys after the show to pile into public channel where all these guys that were on the show spill out into, and then we all kind of take questions and hang out and talk about Eve online, even after the show is over. And I'll put a link to that right now. Cause we just love
4: it so darn much.
0: (laughs) It's a community, man is there um is there anything Carneros, that you want to talk about before we go?
2: No, I'm excited uh, I want to jump into fleets this afternoon and and uh but i do I do think we should show the the eve Online invasion trailer. That'd be great
0: we will we're going to actually let that play us out today as a change from our normal exit um, uh, but first uh, at least, is there anything that you wanted to plug or say? Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I mean, uh, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the uh, the are going to mess with our stuff. I'm really excited to add that, that level of uncertainty back in the eve. That level of chaos. I'm, I'm very, very stoked. Also, I love yeah. that You don't have to be mad. Uh, I'm just trying to to make sure Goons burn all their spies by by being Mimi. I'm just trying to help you. Come on. Just
0: play <laughs> the,
1: the meta, meta, meta. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing 40 chess here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: um, let's let's talk about this trailer real quick. Did you guys like it? Thumbs up, thumbs down in this trailer. My favorite guy is Tristan Guy. I don't know who he is. Tristan Guy is the best guy. He's got the best lines. <laughs> he flies like everyone you've ever flown with. in Eve, he's a complete it idiot, play.
5: but I love him. It it got me fired up, but it's not the gameplay. Yeah. Ant- Antiquarian is the is Tristan Guy. By the way. Yeah. Oh,
0: that makes sense. Now, uh, X up, guys. If you like it, give a thumbs up, thumbs down uh, on the trailer. Um, I know a lot of people were very excited when it came out. They were saying so in public, and we watched it come out at uh, Eve Down Under when we were watching the stream.
1: Everyone knows a Tristan guy. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know, and if you,
3: uh, by the way, and if you don't know Tristan guy like a Tristan guy, it's because you're the Tristan guy. <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay. You said thermal. I want to thank Asherathi, (laughs) Carneros, Elise, Ponsui, uh, and McLeod, our engineer, for hanging out and showing up today. I also want to thank all the generosity that happened today. It was uh, Apollo 428 and XY, and it just went nuts. So uh, thank you guys for helping out the station that way. Appreciate it catch more stuff uh, we have a ton coming out including csm interviews with candidates that you may want to vote for so check that out too um, thanks again everyone for hanging around and you can hang out with us oh more generosity thanks apollo 428 um, hang out with us in public chat uh, the rest of this afternoon thank you guys very much and that's all there is today we will see you next time on talking in stations